our, our subject's been warfare and how you deal with warfare. And the uh, things that we've been building upon right now is that fear is the main weapon of the enemy. And fear is something that we cannot have in our life. And it's actually fear is the total opposite of faith. And where fear exists, faith doesn't. Where faith exists, fear doesn't. And so we, we said uh, in the last couple of weeks that we have to deal ruthlessly with fear, that we cannot allow it anywhere in your life. You know, and, and fear includes its cousin concern and worry and I've got to think about this type of thing has to be out of our mind. doesn't mean we aren't responsible for the things that we're supposed to do because we have to be. But it means that we, we do what God tells us to do and then move on from there. We do what God says to do and, and trust that he'll bring the things about and not worry about it. The fear, and like I say, all the cousins, takes and robs you of the joy. If you wonder why you haven't been living in joy as much as you should, it's probably because you have somewhere in there some of this concerns or, uh, or fear or whatever you want to call it, and it'll, it'll rob you of, of, uh, of what God wants to bring for you, which is faith. So fear and faith don't do well together. They're opposites. I call them currencies of two separate kingdoms. And so we have to be a people that deal in the currency of this kingdom, which is faith. And so that's what I'm speaking about today is faith. And I find it not the easiest thing to speak about. Uh, We have a lot of different ideas of faith. And usually when we think about faith, we think of uh, we ask God for something and and we we believe him for it. Uh, I actually believe that's a backwards view of faith. I, I believe that faith starts by what? What is faith? comes by what? Hearing. So, in other words, it's speaking of hearing. And when I take a look at the Old Testament, what I see over and over again in the Old Testament is faith is spoken. It talks about a relationship or a, a, a communion or a covenant. I'm just going to take two seconds to read just a couple of scriptures to give you, to give you the taste of the Old Testament. I'm just going to read one line of them off of the concordance. If I was to look up faith, this is what I came back with. It goes, uh, to sell it for foreigners because he has broken faith with her. Is both of you have broken faith with me in the presence. How could you break faith with God and Israel? Uh, act honorably in good faith. And what that talks about over and over, and if I went down there, you're going to see that over and over all the way through it. It's talking about not breaking covenant. The first breaking covenant we find... This course in Genesis, when, when uh, Adam and Eve ate from that tree. And when they ate from that tree, they broke covenant with God, and they actually broke covenant with one another. Just as we've learned over and over, the relationship with God is this way, but we have a relationship with one another. So we have a covenant with God, and we have a covenant with one another. This church, we have a covenant with one another in this church. That's why it's not a drop-in and see, and I'll see you next week two months from now or something. It's something that you come and you become part of a family. We move in covenant with. And what we, what we do when we move in covenant with that, we develop a relationship. So if I was going to begin to speak about faith, I have to take a look at its root. And its root is the Old Testament and its community and communion with God. It's, it's, if we look at it. If I was to ask you what would you would think about the scripture most about faith, you would say what? What scripture is the most you know about faith? Which one do you think? Yeah, but you would probably tell me, if you're talking New Testament, you'd probably tell me Hebrews 11, wouldn't you? What faith is? You know, so I'm going to, we're going to go through that. Uh, I don't know if we can get all the way to 11 because I'm going to back up a little bit and hit 
some parts of uh, Hebrews 10. But I want to develop this, and I want to develop uh, taking a look at it as a walk rather than an event. Is it an event too? Yeah. If you hear God tell you to do something and believe him for something, yeah, you're to believe and you walk out for that. But faith is far more than that. It's a road. It's a walk. It's a relationship. It is a covenant with God. So when we talk about faith, we're talking about a covenant with God. Now, that is a little hard for some of us to, uh, to, to think about because we've been kind of trained that you believe God for this and you believe God for that. And I don't think, you tell me when we're done with this if you agree that's what it's about. Okay, let's go. Can you throw up a, let's, let's kind of give you the background. I really want to talk about, and I may break you up in, in a small group to talk about Hebrews 10, 32 through 39. But I actually want to start by reading Hebrews 10, 11 through verse 31. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unservingly to the hope we profess, for he has promised his for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who is treated who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that made him sanct- that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace for we know him who said it is mine it is mine to avenge i will repay and again the lord will judge the his people it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living god okay what would you say the main subject of that is guys huh yeah, grace and, and forgiveness of sin. So I, I, I had to read that, and it's a long thing to read, because I wanted to give you the background to the end of uh, Hebrews uh, 10 and the beginning of Hebrews 11. Because when we he- read Hebrews 11, what does it start off? Faith is being sure of things that are unseen, right? Or something like that. It's, 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 it, it, and we usually s- seem to think, 
and get our minds set that it's talking about something that we're looking for. But it's not the subject. What is the subject here? It's sin, sin being removed. Kick the next slide. Uh, the next one is Hebrews 10, 32 to 39. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great content contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had had better and lasting possessions. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. What stands out to you guys? What, what in that scripture yells out to you the most? What makes the biggest, speaks to you the most? Stand firm. Stand firm. Hardship. Hardship. Persevere. Persevere. Don't give up. Yeah, that's one that really. Yeah, well, shrinking back is, is is fear. Is fear. It's 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 interesting to me. The the root we don't think of. We usually think of faith, like I say, is about receiving something. Faith, the full, is being faithful, and so the people of faith are called the faithful ones. And it's not because they believe for one little thing and another thing and get it. It's because they believe a walkout. Now, you take a look at this. They have, this is the pre, the, the setup for Hebrews 11, where it talks about faith. This is the very end of it, just because, before it goes on 11.1. 1. And what it talks is about in the great contest facing suffering, uh, insults, persecutions, uh, uh, sometimes yourself, sometimes you watch people to sympathize with people in prison, joyfully accepting confiscation of your property because you knew that yourself had a better and lasting possession. So faith is not the little things that we think of. What happens is when we, God begins to develop us with faith, it's kind of like a child that walks. You know, when you have a baby and they haven't taken a step, you get right there and you go, take a step dad. And they make one step and you're excited. And you, you all kinds of reward for that. Then later it's two steps and three steps. And that's a process that goes on that God develops our faith. Because he's interested in not the individual things. And he's not set on our personal comfort. He's set on what? Kingdom. This whole scripture and faith is talking about God. His kingdom and in Hebrews 11, his kingdom and salvation. That is the focus of where it's going. That's what he wants. And he gives us things because he loves us. Now, God tells you to believe him for something. Like he told me to believe something for today. He did what he said. I asked, I heard him, I believed him, I walked forward it. Yeah, we do that. There are things in your life that God's going to say, you know, I'm going to do this. And I want you to believe this, and he wants you to walk forward. But it's not a series of road stops all along the way that he has to. Because what happens if it works the other way? If he it's all, I trust you for this, believe you for this, and this like this, 
these one little, two little things, every little place. First time you don't get what you ask for, then you don't think God's exist. And so what happens along the way is you get afraid to ask God because you don't want to be disappointed. You want to protect them. But we have to believe the big picture. Which is harder to believe? Is it harder to believe that that God's going to give you a particular item or believe that through these different trials, God has a better thing in mind for you and he's bringing you to a better place and maybe even a great promotion uh, spiritually as well as financially or socially or everything else. It's harder to believe going through the hard times, isn't it? It really is. It's hard to believe that. But that's part of the thing. That's one of the more advanced steps in the walk. It's the season that we move into. But what happens is so often we grow cold with the process because we didn't get what we thought God was saying, and so we become disappointed with God when it's not God to be disappointed with. God is trying us to walk a little further. He's making us walk a little further to become who we're called to be because we have a high calling on our life. The church is not meant to be a sick baby that never grows. The church is meant to be the army of God that takes down the gates of hell. That's what it says. It won't prevail against this church. That's what we're meant to do. We're called to do that. Let me tell you what. You don't do that by making baby steps only. The other problem with the baby steps only it becomes about you. This whole thing is about him and his kingdom. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about this church. It's about his kingdom. It's about establishing his kingdom. He is looking for a faithful people. We kind of think, God, you've got to give us more. And he's saying, no, you've got to give me more. You've got to ask. You've got to try. You've got to test. You've got to try things. You've got to take chances and find out the things that sometimes you think God said is really you thinking it, not what God said. I can't tell you how many times during the process I've had God promise something. I interpreted something else, and when I didn't receive that particular way I thought it was going to be, I didn't. I, th- I thought God didn't answer. This is what does this say? It says, "Don't lean on your own understanding, because your own understanding can be off." So when He wants a faithful people, He wants a people that walks forward and is not afraid to walk forward. He said, wants a people that is not afraid to take chances and do the things he said. Now, if you remember one of the examples, I'll just wait for, Hebrew, uh, for Hebrews 11 for it. But, well, I'm going to mention it here. Egypt, when Moses, and he parted the sea, because God told him to do this. And so he parted the sea, and they walked through as if on dry land. But what it said is the Egyptians, when they tried to do it, They were destroyed. One walked in faith, and the other walked in presumption. We can't be one of presumption. Sometimes the presumptions that we have are the things that we want. Let me tell you something. If you cry enough and make enough noise, very often God will give you what you want, even though he doesn't want to give that to you. And you'll find out very quickly that it's really you don't want it either, because it will cost you far more than you can imagine. Because God is not our servant. We're his. God is not our cosmic bellboy at all. We're called to serve him and glorify him and do the things he. And when we do that, there is nothing that can stop us. We have to take this place in 
Christianity and our relationship with him is that where we're all about is listening to him and doing what he thinks he says. And when we miss it and we, don't, we didn't hear it right, we find out we didn't hear it right that he had a better idea or a better thing. But it really comes down to this, doesn't it? We have to believe that God has all things under control. And he called, and then he, that he blesses and he calls everything that we're good for those who are called according to his purpose. We have to believe that. That's the foundation thing to believe, to walk in faith. He says here, you need to preserve, so when you have done all the, uh, the will of God, you'll see what he promised. What do you think he's talking about here? Receive what he promised. What does he mean? Hmm? Mm-hmm. What else? Now, the subject of this matter is the salvation, the forgiveness of sins. Remember, that's why I read the first part. That, you know, remember it says that the continual offering of sins by priests couldn't take away the sins, but it was, his, it was Christ that did. So that's the main subject of it, is that uh, what was promised, the salvation will come. The end result will come. But is it all just about the end? No. The church has got a very, very bad idea. The church has got an idea that, uh, uh, that we're going to kind of go through this all and be impotent, and one day he's going to come and save us all. I don't believe it. I really don't believe it. This land, earth, was given to man. Man gave it over to Satan. was given to us. When God gives it, he doesn't take back. He's not an ending giver. He gave it to us. We gave it over to Satan. So when our hearts turn back, the land, the earth belongs to us again. He's, he's going to help us. He's going to give us strength. He's going to empower us. But we're going to do it. Don't think you're going to sit around and get one day it's going to be this all, all sweet. Somebody's going to have to fight. Somebody's going to have to go do it. Somebody's going to have to walk out the walk and do what God said. Someone's going to have to trust and believe God and not fall back because he won't be pleased with us if we do. So my definition of faith, my personal definition of faith, faith is being out on a limb that someone's sawing off behind me. That's what it feels like to me. Every time I walk in faith, when I do that thing, I feel like way I'm out here and the enemy's sawing off behind me. And I don't learn, turn around and look. I keep on walking. That's what I, the, the, my feeling of faith is. That's what I believe that he's called us to be, a person that is not willing to look at the consequences to our personal consequence, but listen and do what God says. Now, so he says that you'll receive the promise. So the subject really is God. It's all about him. Salvation, the kingdom. He's not at all interested in the immediate. He trains us for the long haul. What do you guys feel about that? You feel that's accurate? It's challenged some of you, huh? Kingdom mind. I think in 
Okay. I somewhat agree with that. I, I have a little difficulty when, you, when it goes here. I think his primary purpose is the end, and he does every much care about us and what we go through right now. But I think it's, it's one of those things. It's like, to me, if, you, if you're not used to this, we, we discuss stuff like this, and it's okay to disagree with me. I may or may not be right, <laughs> and that's fine. I look at it as, as just like sometimes my, my child, who's not in here right now, wants something that I know that, yeah, it would be easier now and enjoyable now, but if she held out a little longer, she would grow a lot further. So it's not that I don't care about her immediate. I just care more about the other. I think you see that when you look at here. They joyfully accept the confiscation of their property. Now, if he is that, you know, if it's just, if it's equal, he wouldn't be, we wouldn't have to worry about that. He wouldn't take care of that. He would, but, but it was the end thing. But the confiscation, what happens with that? When something happens like that, bad things that happen, we become stronger, uh, more focused on him. We, uh, I don't want any of this stuff to happen. Right here. I like what I've got. God's blessed me real well, and I don't plan on losing it. Hope I don't. But if I do, I hope I have that attitude. You know, because that attitude is the attitude of maturity in Christ. Maturity in Christ. A heart that has a passion and love for God. Because they're more concerned about, what does it say in that? Because, uh, let's see. Okay. Because you knew that you yourself have a better and lasting possession. What's that? Kingdom. That's the better and lasting possession. That's the reason they're willing to give up the, the, the comfort, the pain, and go through the pain and stuff. Because they know the end is greater than the now. In, in business world, I was an investment advisor. An investment advisor had to do the same thing. I had to talk people, teach people to give up the immediate gratification for a later game. So they had to take some of the money that they could have played around with and invest it, you know, and continue to invest it, stay in the market, you know. And though, yeah, that would be a lot more fun to go out and take this vacation, do that, and the others, yes, some of that, but it had to be about the other. I always kind of said it was the same business. Life insurance is the same way, you know, for the future. God loves us enough, though, that is, we throw a little tantrum and we aren't happy with not getting what we want right now. He invests enough in us. He takes enough chance with us that he's willing to go through that. He's willing to take the chance of our being upset with him because he loves us enough to cause us to become what we're called to be. See, I really believe that God really wants to call us to be something farther than we've ever, ever dreamed. Everything I've looked at the scriptures is not about, yeah, he anoints people. But it's about the people that say yes. It says he continually looks for a person to stand in the gap. Someone to stand on the wall. Someone to do what he's called to do. That's what he looks for. He doesn't say he looks for the perfect man. He doesn't say he looks for the person who has all together, the smartest, the wisest, or anything else. Matter of fact, he says he looks for the foolish. We all probably. I know I do. I qualify. <laughs> I'm not the smartest, wisest. But I'm going to say yes. See, faith is saying yes when you want to really say no sometimes. Faith is seeing what he wants to do and considering him above your needs. Isn't that what God being God first is? 
This one being God first is, is, is about that very, very fact that you're more concerned with his because you are his servant. And the servant is always more concerned with the masters than his own stuff. Matter of fact, when he gives an example in the Bible, what he talks about, he says, he says, well, what would you do? Would you go, the servant go feed himself and then there's another on the same thing. He's going to take care of himself, his immediate thing, or no. He goes and takes care of the masters and then afterwards he go get stuff for himself. That's how we're to be. That's not the, that's not the church's message today, but that is the message of the kingdom. That is the message of the Bible. That it's to be more concerned about his kingdom than our own. That it's all about him, not about us. And as I taught you guys long ago, the thing of the original fall is being self-centered rather than being God-centered. That's the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. That's the difference between saved and not being saved. Being God-centered or self-centered. If it's about you, it's self-centered. If it's about him, it's God-centered, and that's the kingdom. So, when you read, go to Hebrews 11, and just, now faith, I'll, I'll, I'll stop you in the middle somewhere. I'm not going to go all the way through. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by, at God's command, so that what is seen was not made of what was visible. Stop there. Okay. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of we do not see. Now what does that mean to you when we, after we talked about that? What does that mean? What, what, is being, what is he talking about here? Now, I don't know about you, but many, many times I read that thing and it was, sir, what I, what I hope for meant like, you know, this business or that business or something else like that. I mean, I, I really read it that way myself. But is that what it's talking about, reading what we read before? Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Well, who do we not see? God, right, him. What do we hope for? Salvation. The promises. So it's sure of what we don't see and certain of what we hope for. Then it goes in the next scripture. By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. So that is seen, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. What does that mean? What does that statement say? Why is that part of faith? Right, you're right on it. So is man. Uh huh. What? I mean, we're made too. Yeah. Okay. Okay, let me let me word it differently. It's saying which kingdom is greater than what kingdom. It's saying that the kingdom we see right here was made out of kingdom that can't be seen. The thing we hope for. You see? That's the and what it's saying is the things we hope for in God is the true reality that everything is built upon. Nothing is made was not made that came out from him. So it's saying what faith is. Faith is hoping and understanding that the real reality of this world is him and everything is built on it. Everything is built and based upon what he spoke of. We had uh, uh, Dr. Uh, what was his name? Vancouver. Vancouver in here. Remember him? 
Now, he didn't touch on it as much as I was hoping he was going to do, but he's a quantum physicist and one of the, one of the 650 patents, top of his game, one of the smartest men in the world. And he says, everything, the 102 elements every, are different weights, like vibrations. They're like words, only you can't hear them. They're different things. So it spoke. Everything that was in existence spoke. So he's saying that everything that there is is based upon what God spoke. Light, you can't hear it, but you can see it. Sound waves, different frequency. But God can hear those other all the way, believe me. So what he's saying is the reality of this world is came from God's mouth. So this is saying that very same thing, that, that uh, everything was formed is based upon the hope we have. That makes sense? Everything, everything we see and everything that we trust in rather than trust in him was truly foundation upon the spirit realm of God, and that is faith. That makes sense to you so far? Okay. I'll just take this next one. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. By faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. What does that mean? What does that mean? Go ahead, Rick. Well, let me answer that and put it in a little broader context. What is being said in this context is, and New King James and other translations have evidence of things not seen. The, The point is, I'm not telling you to do things that haven't been done before. I'm telling you, you can know that if you do what you are told to do, if you follow the word, you will receive. You will receive because this is what happened. This is the history of the Israelite. This is how we won here, we won there. That's the, the rest The rest of the, of the chapter. But it's not, it helps to use the word knowledge, faith slash knowledge, I know if I do these things that there will be a reward and it's it's common sense like I know if I study things, if I train to do things, if I work and practice, I will reach a goal, but there may be points along the way where it doesn't seem that way and so that's when That's supposed to since he got killed <laughs> for doing it. Well, yeah, yeah, except that, I mean, with respect to this, what lives on, lives on that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Lives on that we know this is what ha- this is what happened to these people. So it, it, it's, in one way, instead of putting it into the sort of spiritual realm, it puts it right down here on earth. Mm-hmm. We, we yeah, you're, you're really on the edge of it right there that I'm, what I'm looking for. Too. What we can say? Or would you say Abel's faith-based actions continue to resonate through history through the living word of God? Yeah, you would very much say that. Uh, and the thing I was looking for that, that uh, Rick touched on was that he acted upon the true reality. I mean, base it. If you're going to give something, you know, if, 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 you, if, you, if, you, if you believe in the physical realm, you're thinking you're getting rid of money that you don't have and there's not coming back, okay? If you believe in the kingdom realm, you really believe that you're giving and that you can't outgive God. You, you believe you're giving to the true thing. I mean, basically, I mean, if you really got into that scripture, it talks about a lot of people going to blood stuff, but it really wasn't. There's no, there's no background for that. What it is, it gave the first, the best of everything he had. 
And when it happens, he did the first and best of everything he had. His brother got jealous of him, mad at him, because he did what was right. He didn't do what was right. In his own heart, he knew he was wrong. And so he killed him. And the point you're picking on is that act of doing the right thing and that believing the, in, in the kingdom, the reality of the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of this world still speaks. And that action still speaks. And it does have a very bad consequence sometimes. When you act in faith doesn't mean everything's going to go right for you. So when you get there and you have things go bad, a lot of people just, why, just like they did the friends of Job, you know, look, you know, God always blesses everything he's ever done. No, he doesn't. I don't know why he doesn't, but he doesn't. You know, there are bad things that happen to you when you do the right things. Bad things happen to good people. You know, a lot of that is, uh, you know, we know nowadays is because we we need to pray differently. We need to cover one another. We need to be in that. See, if if we're in the community and the uh, 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 covenant with one another as well with God, we're going to protect one another. Do you know where most of your, your hits come from? Fellow Christians. Yeah. That's the, that, and, and because we have power. The enemy has lost his power. So what has happened is the words out of our mouth speaking against our brothers and sisters has caused the greatest damage of all. Now I remember Rick Warren's book, and he had this vision. That was the basic vision for saying, and in, in, in this army, in this war, the the the... The Christians and the supposedly in the Christian army, most of them didn't even have weapons or armor, were shooting each other all the time. And the more wounded they were, the more they shot them. And the more wounded people are, they hurt other people. Huh? Joiner. Well, who did I say? Rick Warren. He sent me on Rick Warren today. Friendly fire. Huh? Friendly fire. Yeah, well, it's so friendly. <laughs> but I've been a target of it. It's not friendly at all. It stinks. I've seen it around here, you know, and. We, we, when we see it around here, we'll stop it because we, 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 don't, we don't want it because we have to protect one another. And when, if somebody's hurt you and spoken against you and broken covenant with you, then you need to talk to them about it. You know? And if that doesn't work, you need to talk to me about it and we'll talk to them together. You know? Or you may find out you may, what your perception might be a little wrong. We'll work it out. That's what family does. Family does. We work the thing out. We become together who we're called to be. That's moving in covenant relationship with one another. It's absolutely necessary to do anything. If we just want to be, and you know me, I'm not, I'd love to grow a big church, but that's not my aim. My aim is to do the kingdom work. And to do the kingdom work, it's not about having a lot of people. It's having people that are committed to one another, that are trained and are willing to do the fight. That's what it's about. You know, God said a long time ago to me, not a long time ago, about a year ago to me, you plus me are a majority. You know, and we don't need tons of people. We need people that are do what God says. That will operate in faith and not fall back. That will see the kingdom, the reality of the kingdom of God greater than the kingdom of this world. And will believe that God's kingdom and doing what God says has much greater power than doing uh, what the enemy can do. That's what it's about. That's the type of people we're looking for. I just want to add, I mean, there's everything everybody's saying is correct. Mm-hmm. And just because you serve God doesn't mean that you're going to excel and be at the apex in every arena of life. But but the point is that the point is that God's going to give us targets and objectives, and it's based a lot on your maturity. You're talking initially about a maturity, understanding. Okay, there's realms. What's the superior realm? What's the counterfeit realm? Where do the influences come from? Be able to, to control your mind, control your behavior, so that you're a positive influence. You're not. Uh, 
uh, opening yourself up to counterproductive you know, spiritual activity and tearing down what God's trying to establish. That's the foundational thing. But when you get to the place of maturity, God wants us to reign and rule in this realm. And, and a, lot of, a lot of the immaturity in the church is that we keep going to God and when we, as a child, we ask God to do these things. When He really wants us to grow up, when we take authority, Amen. We go and we battle these demonic activities in our, the arena, you have to find out. You won't get your jurisdiction and your responsibility until you're mature enough to have that, that, that the, the plausibility to do that. So you don't give a ten-year-old the keys to the car. I mean, you're going to, going to destroy himself or the neighborhood or whatever property. So you, when you grow, and the church is going to grow up, so we can go in this realm. And God gave us this arena of Santa Monica to reign and rule in. But if you don't know your authority, you don't know your responsibilities or what your objective is, then you're going to have confusion operating. God, what's your will? And if you don't know God's will for your life, then you're, you, know, you might as well sit in the back and just praise God and let people hand you the word of God. Because you, we have to grow up and do that. But, but there's a point we're going to have to get to when we please God, when we find out what our objective is, when we earnestly seek Him, if you read 6, He's going to reward us for this. Now, we may not all get everything here, and I think the ultimate sacrifice, if you read further in Hebrews, some people are willing not to take the blessings of this realm and be sacrificed and mm-hmm. martyr their life so they have a greater resurrection. That's, that's the greatest, I guess, He says, you know, the, the greatest thing you can do is lay down your life with somebody. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking to get my knees even though God will allow that. I think it's all this in, in context. So you have to really grow up in God to know what he's called you to do and then fight and contend for that. So when things are, are coming against you that are contrary to what God has said, you take authority over it. And, and, and a really strong uh, Christian can do that for people who are not mature enough yet. Like these people that are sitting around here who are, who are inundated with demonic activity. It's my, it's, they're my responsibility, not God's. He put me to reign in this area, and i got to grow up so that I get such an anointing. When I lay hands on them, they get delivered and set free, and we can infuse them with the Spirit of God and get them delivered. That's our responsibility. But, God, you know, we're praying for God to go out and go out in the streets. No, he's calling me to go do it. And that's what, what he's looking for is a contingency of people that will become warriors and go in there and know their authority and act as God as an ambassador on earth. And to do that, that's that walk of faith that we're talking about. There, you have to believe in His kingdom and and what we hope for, and certain that we do not see. We have to believe that's the true reality. That's what uh, Cain and Abel. And if you commune with God, He'll give you your objective and your marching orders. Mm-hmm. But if you're not connected to the source, the commander in chief, uh, you're going to be a renegade soldier out there on your AWOL. You know, exactly. you're on your own agenda. Two other examples. I love AWOL people. You know, Gary, can I just think about that here? What I've always thought is that the hope, to, the word hope in there is so key to me because I feel that's what a lot of the world is. Stealing. Lack hopelessness, and those are people that usually end up suicide. They end up if they're hopeless. How can you trust if you don't have hope? And I've got to have hope in something or someone, like I do the Lord, in order for me to have faith. Because to me, faith has always been trust. So I have to hope that God is going to see that I, my motives are, you know, and I kind of go with this conversation, and then I, I say, and now I'm going to trust. And that's what I, I see the word faith is trust. So I feel like you can't have one without the other. Yeah, and, and hope, hope is, 
I, I've prayed for uh, 10 or 15,000 people now probably. Hope is the number one thing I pray for people. I hear that more than any other subject when I lay hands on people. Hope. That they're hopeless. Yeah. To pray that. So I agree with you. No. Just like a couple of seasonal references. First is, it's a wonderful life. You can't watch it too often. Mm-hmm. Because that is looking back, the guy looking back and saying, what's the point? What was I doing here? And what he was revealed to him is, this is, these are all the things that you have done because you were doing what you were supposed to do at the right time. You saved lives and so on and so forth. The other thing that, that's a little, little more attenuated is, watch football games, you think the one guy who usually practices and plays the least is the place kicker. But yet there will come a point where five seconds, ten seconds of that person's intervention makes all the difference. Never knowing when that moment might come, but just always being ready and practicing and being faithful, and then the moment comes and Everybody looks at that person, and it's the right thing is done, and that's it. A lot of it, too, I agree with 100%. A lot of it, too, is just being who we're called to be, being naturally supernatural, as Wimber used to say, just doing the stuff, uh, being who you are as a, as a Christian. It doesn't, you know, you got to do what God's calling you to do, not past it. I used to always think the most I could do is the best. It's not. It's doing exactly what he calls me to do is the right thing. Not less, not more, exactly. Well, just for clarification, like when you said that's my responsibility, people are my responsibility and not God's, at first I just thought, ah, who do you think you are? Like that was the first thought, but then I think I'm fostering kittens and I pray every day for abused animals. It's just maybe a thing that God has given me, mm-hmm. you know, stewardship of the earth and everything. And, but if I would just pray for them and do nothing, like, but what, we have six cats with us right now. It's way more than we can handle, but we got them because otherwise they'd be dead, right? So maybe that's kind of part of it. Like, we co-labor. It always God's plan, but we have to yeah. work with him. He wants, he's chosen to put his spirit on us, so we work with him. Yeah. And, and we're not we're not submitted to that, and we're missing opportunities. And God's looking for people that will go and do these things. But, you know, I want to go to the movies. I want to go shopping. We're going to go on vacation. And, and like Gary said, we, we miss out on those opportunities to be a servant, you know. And, and nothing wrong with doing those things. Yeah. I've had some of yeah. the best mentor times in the world on vacation. Yeah. I mean, doing what you're supposed to do, just being aware. God wants to bless us, wants us to have good things, but he wants us to be, and it's the hardest thing for me, is to be absolutely aware everywhere I go of what God is. Matter of fact, we're going to have to go here in a second, but one of the things that I want to, uh, to really talk to you guys, to say to you to do today, is when you go out, two things. One, be extremely aware of what God's saying and who to say it to, uh, and maybe it's just the earth that you're walking on, because we, we're called the walk this land and to bless this land. So everywhere I go, I, I pray and I bless the land. I don't, that's not to be, I can be in a conversation with you. And I'll just, I'll just sit there and think, speak a blessing on this land, speak a blessing in the air, speak dominion over. You know, and I do that because that's what we're called to do. The more we do that, see, we, it is an unseen kingdom. And when we're talking about the people out in the, here to witness to and stuff like that, there's an unseen kingdom that is a greater power than the seen. So if you want to be able to speak to people's hearts and they change, and if you want to be able to lay hands on the sick and they recover, it's a spiritual realm that you have to understand. You know, we have very little understanding, but so, and we're to rule and reign in that realm, too. Father, give us that uh, eyes to see and ears to hear as we walk. 
And give us that authority that every place we place our foot, we have dominion, Father. Far as our eyes can see and every place we put our foot is dominion of your kingdom. We walk as ambassadors of you, not on our own strength, not on our own ability, not on our own understanding, but as ambassadors of your kingdom. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Anybody needs prayer? Uh, 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 prayer team, come up. Anybody needs prayer for hope or anything else, more faith? You're going to have to work it, but we'll pray for a blessing in it. Come forward.